things today that we uh, previously mentioned, but our first message in this line of thought was living water, and we looked at living water as a river flowing by the tree of life, and we looked at the fact that God's Word is this living water for His people, that this Word is alive to us, and God has uh, quickened us and given us a revelation of him in the word and yes from the beginning of genesis to the end of revelation this book is about god this book is about jesus christ his son this book has been given to us and we have been blessed with this book that we might be conformed to the image of God's Son by reading about, studying about, finding about Him, finding out about Him and how He is. What manner of a man is this? Jesus Christ. Even the winds and the seas obey Him. You remember they questioned, what manner of man is this? Well, this book tells us and explains to us what manner of man Jesus Christ was and is and what manner of people we are to be as we follow him in our daily walk. All right, we looked at the fact that God's Word is a daily necessity. Turn with me to begin with to Second Peter. Second Peter, right after Hebrews there, in chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Now again, we looked at 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. And we looked at our manner of life, how it should be. We looked at how we're able to grow spiritually by the partaking of God's Word. Our spiritual being needs food. Every day we need this food. We saw that as we look into God's Word... We're able to spiritually grow because the Word convicts us of sin. The Holy Spirit shows us, through this conviction, our need of a Savior. See how that works? We spiritually grow by becoming more like Jesus when the Word of God convicts us of the sin in our life. And the Holy Spirit shows us that because of that sin in our life and because that we are sinners by nature, we need Him. We need the Lord Jesus Christ. We saw that we grow spiritually because the Word causes us to sorrow over this sin in our lives. We saw that the Word of God pricks our hearts as it did those who heard the Gospel in Acts Chapter 2, verse 37. 
we looked at that and we saw that what happens is the Word of God penetrates our heart. How does it do that? It does it by the power of the Holy Spirit that reveals Jesus Christ to us as our only hope and Savior. Then we saw that the Word of God, as it penetrates our minds and heart, it causes us to have a hatred of sin. Psalms 97 says, Ye that love the Lord hate evil. We saw that as we study the Word of God and as the Holy Spirit causes the Word of God to penetrate our hearts and minds, that it fortifies us against these sins in our lives. The Word of God gives us strength, doesn't it? It nourishes us. It gives us strength to stand on the rock of Jesus Christ for all that we are and believe. And then because of that, the Word causes us to purposefully oppose sin and purposefully seek to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, which Romans 8 and 29 tells us that we are predestined by God to. We are predestined by God who holds all power in heaven and earth to be conformed to the image of His Son. That right there should strengthen us. The saving knowledge that we're His and nothing and no one can separate us from that love that He has for us. Oh, we love Him because He first loved us. All right, First Peter chapter 1. In verse 1, I'm sorry, told you wrong. Second Peter. Second Peter chapter 1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us. How? Through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. How did they and how do we obtain faith? Through uh, being as good as we can? through trusting in all the things that we do to help other people? No. It has obtained like precious faith. This is the faith once delivered to the saints. It's the same faith. It's in the Son of God on the cross of Calvary, given a perfect life for God's people who had chosen before the foundation of the world. Have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. How does that work? The righteousness of Jesus Christ. He didn't sin. He lived 33 and a half years, if you will, and didn't sin. That righteousness was applied to those whom he hung on the cross for. It was imputed to us who have this faith in what he did for us on the cross. Verse 2, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Now that knowledge of God, that is a powerful saving knowledge that's delivered to us by the Holy Spirit of God when He quickens us or makes us alive. Okay. Verse 3 says, According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. When he changed us, he called us, didn't he? It's not just any calling. 
The Bible describes this calling as a holy calling. Why is it a holy calling? Because the holy God has called us. And he's called us unto himself, which applies this way. He's applied, he has called us unto holiness by calling us unto himself, and he is totally and completely holy and righteous in all ways and in all things. According as his divine power hath given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Where is life and godliness? Whose life was godly? <clears throat> See, it all points back to the Son of God, doesn't it? His life was godly. He didn't sin against God, and when we sin, that's who we're sinning against. Though we may wrong others, when we sin, we're sinning against Him. And He sees and knows. How did we get this ability, even this desire, to be like Jesus Christ? Well, this is the power, according as His divine power. God's divine power. He has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Now again, how do we come about this life and godliness? This desire even to live a life of godliness. To be like Jesus Christ. According to his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Whose life was virtuous? I'm talking about to the point of pleasing God the Father, Jesus Christ. Nobody else. We've been called unto Him to be like Him. All right. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. Who lived a life of the divine nature and was not contaminated with the fallen nature of Adam? Jesus Christ. You see, it all points to him, doesn't it? That's why he gets all the praise, honor, and glory for your life, your spiritual life, the desire you have in your heart to be like him because he deserves it. He bought and paid for this life that you're living today. We might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, given all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity or love for each other. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful. So if these things abound in us, it makes us so that we won't be barren or unfruitful in what? In the worldly things that we do, in our daily lives that seem to draw us away from the things of God? No. He says it plainly. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. How important is the Word of God for our daily living? Well, it's kind of like Jesus Christ. It's everything. He's everything. His Word is everything to us. 
It is the only spiritual food God has given us. Like I said last week, that we hear people say, and I'm not saying that they're wrong, but we hear people say, well, God told me to quit doing this. God told me to do this. God told me to do that. I simply like to see where God said it. I'm not saying he didn't, because this is a lot of pages of what God said, and they all pertain to us. All of God's Word is for our instruction. All right. Verse 9, we're in Second Peter chapter 1. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure. This is a holy calling. Is there a general calling? Absolutely there is. And we're to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to the entire world and all creatures. Yes, there's a general calling to mankind. Is every human responsible to believe? Yes, he is. She is. But then there's a particular holy calling that God sends out to those whom he has given the Son before the foundation of the world. Giving diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you shall not fall. For so shall an, for so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. All right. So we see that the saving knowledge of God that comes with power from God is a supernatural revelation of God himself. When God revealed the gospel to us, who did he reveal? He revealed himself. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit revealed to us. Second Peter 1, 4 told us that we are partakers of the divine nature. And again I ask, who had a divine nature? Whose human nature was not tainted by the the, uh, fallen nature of Adam, Jesus Christ? So we are partakers of Him, aren't we? Absolutely. Even as a few weeks ago, we taught on being grafted in to the tree of life. And we showed a limb being grafted into a tree. And then in Genesis, we saw that when God put Adam and Eve out of the garden, he said, lest man put forth his hand and take of the tree of life and live forever. And we saw that when a limb is grafted into a tree, it takes hold of that tree by the fibers of its being being combined with the fibers of the existing tree. I think that's awesome. That's such a picture of us and our lives as we, our lives are intertwined with the life that Jesus lived. You see, his life that he lived, the righteousness that he earned in the sight of God for us is imputed to us. He's a mighty Savior, isn't he? 
mighty Savior. In 1 Peter 1.23, we saw... Well, let's just read it. We're right here close. 1 Peter chapter 1. Okay, we'll start in verse 18. This is a powerful scripture. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 says, For as much as ye know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, such as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by the tradition of your fathers, but you were redeemed, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. This refers back to the lambs that they sacrificed that pointed to the true Lamb of God that would come to heaven and be sacrificed for our sins. Who verily was foreordained, verse 20, before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Who by Him do believe in God. Do you believe in God today? Do you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you personally? Well, verse 21 says that by Him you believe in God. The God that raised Him up from the dead and gave Him glory that your faith and hope might be in God, seeing you have purified your souls. How? By reading God's Word and living to follow. Seeing you have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed. Born again by the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass. All the glory of man is as the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower thereof falleth away. Oh, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached. Um, all right. Let's turn to Second Timothy. Second Timothy in chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1, we'll begin in verse 9. 2 Timothy 1, 9. And I'm going to begin in verse 8. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. We know that this is Apostle Paul and he's writing to Timothy. Be thou partaker of the afflictions, the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. A holy God has called us unto holiness. Called us with a holy calling, not according to our works. It's, they're nothing. They don't count anything toward God's love for us. Not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and unmerited favor. His own purpose and grace which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Well, Jesus didn't pay the price until he hung on the cross of Calvary and gave his life. Defeated death, hell, and grave when he arose the third day. 
but it was just as good as accomplished because God had determined it to be, you see. God has determined that you would know him and know him with love that he has given you. Verse 10 says, But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Now notice that. He has abolished death, okay? He did die, but death couldn't hold him. He defeated death, and he did it for you and me. Death can't hold you either. Because death has been defeated for you by the only person who ever lived with the capability to please God on your behalf, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light. Well, that life is a spiritual life. Immortality. Eternal spiritual life. God has brought, Jesus Christ has brought life and immortality to light. What does that mean? That means to revelation, to understanding, to knowledge. Jesus Christ has brought the knowledge of himself to us. How? Through the gospel. Through the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know we repeat this a lot. But even Paul said it was necessary that he would bring to our remembrance the doctrines of the Word of God. All right. Back to First Peter. First Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 1. Wherefore, laying aside... Well, let's back up a little bit. We read this earlier, but I'll read a little bit of it. Verse 25 in First Peter chapter 1 says, But the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Okay. Knowing that, chapter 2 begins in verse 1 with wherefore. Okay. We know that we've been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, these are these things that Peter knows that we have to live with every day and around every day. So knowing that we have the word of God, let us lay aside all of these things. Verse 2 says, As newborn babes desiring the sincere milk of the word, if so be that ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. We grow by the sincere milk of the word. I believe that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the milk of the word. That's the beginning of life. 
through this knowledge of Him, isn't it? It is. It's the Gospel. We learn about Jesus. We learn that Jesus is God and has always been God. God the Son. We learn that before the beginning of the world, before the foundations of the world, that God gave a group of people to His Son. We learn that we are one of those people. We learn that Jesus Christ loved us enough to humble Himself and become a newborn baby that's as humble as it gets. You can't do anything for yourself. That He lived in a sinful world yet without sin. We think we have a hard time living in this world and we're sinful. You can imagine. Maybe you can't. How hard it was for a sinless man to live in this simple world. But he did it. We learned that he did it for us. And that he made God happy, if you will. He pleased God the Father. And then he voluntarily and purposely gave his life on the cross that He might buy you back from the corruption that you were born in with no way out. We learned that on the third day after He died, He rose from the grave. He rose from the tomb. And when He did, He defeated all of His enemies and our enemies. Yes, the enemy is still active today. And as you uh, strive to follow Christ, He's going to be more active. We learn that the Lord Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us where we will spend eternity in His presence. That's the sincere milk of the Word. And by going over it, or calling it to remembrance on a regular basis, we grow thereby. That's what Peter was talking about. All right. Now, we see our walk, and in our walk, we see a practical growth, a spiritual growth, but we see it practically in our daily life, as we experience this conformity to the image of our Lord Jesus. We know that our hearts are supernaturally enlightened by the Spirit. And so we return to our one of our lists. We extend one of our lists from our previous message. We are able to grow spiritually when... We understand the true character of the world. We do that by seeing ourselves as we were without Christ. We see the corruption in the world. We're able to grow spiritually. Let's look at Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16 and verse 12. And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters. We see ourselves in this serving of two masters, don't we? Absolutely. Natural man and a spiritual man. 
For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and riches and mammon. And the Pharisees also who were covetous heard all these things, and they derided him. And he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men. But God knows your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. That's an important realization for us. To realize the things that the world holds in great esteem, they're an abomination to God. The things that the world run after and seek, they're they're an abomination to the Lord. And the reason is because they hate God. It's a hard saying, but we did too. In our old natures. Our hearts were at enmity with God. So we grow spiritually as we partake of the Word. We see how the world is and opposed to God. We grow spiritually when we realize that the world is our enemy and that we truly are in a battle. Yeah, we grow spiritually when we realize that Christ died to deliver us from this present world that we are in conflict with. We grow spiritually when we partake of God's Word and our hearts are weaned from the love of this world. That's an important part of growth in the Lord Jesus. When our hearts are weaned from the desires of this world. And that's part of the process that we're in because we are being conformed to the image of Christ. The great potter has us in his hand. And then, of course, the more we look into God's Word the more we see our Lord as He is and has how we should be like Him, then we're able to grow spiritually because we're able to walk in separation. First off, from the desires of the things of the world and then separation from the things of the world. They will easily dominate our affections if we allow them, won't they? They will. Oh, but when we stay in God's Word and we're strengthened by the spiritual nourishment of God's Word, oh, His Word is powerful. And it continually sets us on the rock of Jesus Christ and what He did for us on the cross of Calvary. Oh, the great lesson that we're learning in this life is to trust in Him. He is a mighty, mighty Savior. First Timothy over chapter 6 and about 12 talks about us fighting the good fight of faith. Of faith. When the Israelites went into battle, when they trusted God, they won. No problem. When they thought they were big enough and bad enough that they didn't need God anymore, they lost, didn't they? The Israelites in the wilderness... When the serpents come upon them and the serpents bit them, they died. But Moses was instructed to take 
a brass, I believe it was a brass serpent, and put it up on a pole, lifted up off the earth. And when those bitten by the serpent looked at the serpent that was raised up, they were healed and they didn't die. The venom didn't affect them. There's a lot of venom venom that we see in our lives today. Yes, the serpent is there and he's biting. But let me tell you, when we look to he who was lifted up on the cross of Calvary, and that venom has no effect on us. Death, oh death, where is thy sting? Oh grave, where is thy victory? It's gone because of the accomplishment of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, our Lord. He's a magnificent God and a perfect, holy, righteous Savior.